I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. to be underway in Kansas City. The Oklahoma Sooners are the number three seed in that tournament. Oklahoma football with some massive recruiting uh, news and, well, really players who have visited recently. Spring football started. Texas, for some reason, thinks Sam Ellinger is the best returning player in Big 12 football for 2020. And the Oklahoma City Thunder, big win over the weekend in Boston. What's up, everybody? I'm Matt Hofeld, along with the one and the only Rich DeCray. And this is the Sooner Nation Podcast. Thanks so much for being a part of what we're doing with the Sooner Nation Podcast and Heartland Sports. Rich, let's start with basketball. We got so much to talk about, but I got to start with basketball. And here's the reason why. You were right and I was wrong. Yeah, I, We have that on a recording. It I is, just want it, you to know that. It is recorded. It is set in stone. I've been saying all season long, Oklahoma needed to get to 20 wins to get into the NCAA tournament. And you were saying, nope, not really. And I thought, man, Goose is cooked after that Texas loss. Austin raised 41 points. By the way, we're going to take a timeout from this. Big 12 officially reprimanded Austin Reeves on Tuesday for his gesture following his game-winning shot against TCU. And I just replied back on Twitter. It's okay. Because it says the Big 12 has publicly reprimanded Austin Reeves. And I just replied back. That's okay because the public has been reprimanding the Big 12 for years now, I, I think we've become too soft. And look, I I have no Austin Reeves with an apology on Monday. Big 12 reprimands him on Tuesday. Um, I don't know if it was a sincere apology. What I mean by that is, did Austin Reeves come up with this idea to apologize or did someone from the media uh, center for the University of Oklahoma come up like sports information director, somebody come up and say, hey, you know what? You should probably apologize for this. Let it go, man. The largest comeback in Big 12 history, largest second half point deficit overcome in Big 12 history, the large, the most amount of points scored by a Big 12 player this season. Everybody had written this team off. I, My wife even asked me at one time, why are you still watching this game? And my <laughs> response was, I don't know, but here I am. Let the, let, let, I, I feel like, I feel like there's 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 emotion. You gotta you gotta let these guys have their emotion. I don't think he did anything inappropriate unless he threw a, a word out that shouldn't have been thrown out. Uh, let let him celebrate. I mean, it was the unthinkable became a reality. Let him celebrate. Austin raised 41 points on Saturday. The Sooners have locked up the number three seed in the Big 12 tournament. And what I told you in our text message conversation was my argument of 20 wins was not was not based on Oklahoma having the number three seed at 19 wins. And 
unbelievable <laughs> that they do. But I think you know you're you're the third seed in the Big Twelve. You're in the NCAA tournament, and kudos to Oklahoma, and kudos to you, my man, for being right. When I look at the Big Twelve tournament, the of course, because we are Oklahoma Sooners fans, the game that we can easily peg as the one we're most interested in is this this rematch. Now, Oklahoma playing West Virginia in the Big 12 tournament in the first round as we look at a team in Oklahoma that has beaten West Virginia twice. Clearly, it's one that we're going to follow pretty closely, especially since we're going to be doing recaps, some follow-ups, as well as some previews. I know I did that in reverse order, but all of that will be coming just ahead of the Big 12 tournament, which begins on Thursday for Oklahoma. However, I had a quick question for you because I was looking over the slate of games, and I'm looking at one in particular, but I want to get your take, get your opinion just really quickly. What is the the biggest game in the first round of the Big 12 tournament? In your opinion, you know that, I, which one's most impactful is really what I'm looking for. I think TCU-Kansas State, and, and here's the reason why. The winner of that game is going to get Baylor. TCU... And Baylor, I think that's the rematch that that Baylor wants, and and certainly TCU has a lot of confidence uh, in that game. If Oklahoma can beat West Virginia, and and look, we we can talk about the difficulty of beating a team three times in one season. We can talk about Lon Kruger in uh in his team's performances in the Big Twelve tournament. I I think that side of the bracket sets up pretty well. Oklahoma State, by the way. Could, we, we talked about Shaka Smart last week and how I had said that this is a team that's dead in the water. Shaka Smart's career or his job in Texas is on the line. Mike Boynton, what he's doing at Oklahoma State, they come into Kansas City rolling. They should get past Iowa State. But I think clearly that half of the bracket, I, I don't see anybody challenging Kansas. I really don't on that half of the bracket. But I do think... TCU can challenge Baylor. Oklahoma was a last-second shot away in Waco, Texas against Baylor. So I think you got two teams there. West Virginia can challenge Baylor should they get past Oklahoma. So there's three teams. I think the only team that you can say right now is Kansas State, you know, when looking on that side of the bracket. So I think that TCU-Kansas State game is important because it sets up Baylor to play TCU and then potentially Oklahoma or West Virginia to get to Kansas in the championship. So that's to me. That's that's a long way of answering your question. You're good. But you went a little more nearsighted than than what I was hoping for. Oh, you're for. talking and about just getting into the tournament? I'm talking about the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I don't, and, I don't think there's anybody yeah. I don't think there's I, anybody I, playing on, on Wednesday that can get in the NCAA tournament. Here's what I believe. Okay. I've, I've been wrong about this I believe, already. So go I ahead. believe that Texas and Texas Tech is ultimately a play out game. Uh, but see, that's not the I, I thought you were talking about just the Wednesday games. No, I just said first round. Right, right, first which round. is the Wednesday games. Oklahoma State, okay, okay. Iowa State, TCU, and Kansas State. So you're talking about the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I hate I, calling it that because yeah, when no, we get to the NCAA yeah. tournament, all mm-hmm. of a sudden the first four is the first round. And then everybody else is in. I, I just don't like okay. labeling it as such. Yeah, so yeah. my apologies well, on using a, a missed label okay. there. And I am looking at, like I said, the teams that will play for the first time in the Big 12 gotcha. tournaments. 
across the board, which one of those okay. is most impactful. And that's why you've given a good answer, given a good explanation. My eyes are on Texas Tech and Texas. And while you may disagree with me, I believe, and I said this, Matt, before we played the final game, before we hit the final Saturday of the regular season, that if the season ended then, the Big 12 would have six teams mm -hmm. in the field of 64, 68, in this case, would have six teams in that field of the NCAA tournament. However, what I believe is going to play out is all eyes will be on Texas and Texas Tech when it comes to these NCAA tournament bids. Why? Because I believe that even though Texas has the four seed in the Big 12 tournament, if they lose, I think they're out. And I think they Texas Tech takes Texas's spots in the tournament. I believe only five teams are getting in. I wish it were six but I believe only five teams are getting in. So I'm looking at that four or five matchup because I believe West Virginia is in, even though they're the sixth seed. Well, West so, Virginia is 21 and 10 on right, the season. Right. So, yeah. so, so who out of that four or five matchup is getting left out? And I have to believe it's the team that loses that contest. I, I don't know on that. I, I do think if Texas Tech loses, I think that's a very valid point because that would put them – at 18 and 14 on the season, mm -hmm. you know, they're not just at, not at 20, they're not even at 19 wins. Now they, they do have that, that win earlier in the season over the number one ranked team in the country kind of at, at their favor. But um, I, I don't, I don't know. I think Texas is in, I really do. I think even if Texas tech beats them, I think they're in, I think this is a play in game again, because Texas finished top four in the big 12. They're, you're not going to leave out the the, the top. No, nah, I think you are. No, I don't think it, so. It's it's because of the anomaly that is the four teams we have at nine and nine in conference. When mm -hmm. that doesn't happen, that that's not a common occurrence. But the Big Twelve has four teams sitting right there in right. a log jam in the middle, and it's because of, of the West Virginia conundrum. You, I think you have to put them in, regardless. As I've mentioned, that they are the sixth seed. I, 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 I just agree. I, I just don't know how you get six teams in. I agree with you on West Virginia. I agree with you 100. percent They're in. They're, I mean, if they lose to Oklahoma mm -hmm. on Thursday, which I hope they do, they're in. The problem for me is a, an argument that you made previously about Oklahoma, which I was wrong. But it was the loss to Oklahoma State, right? That Texas just suffered. Now heading into the Big 12 tournament. Two consecutive losses on the resume. I don't know that that's enough to to pull them off the bubble. I do believe that that puts them firmly as the the first four out if they lose against Texas Tech here yeah. in Kansas City. I, again, I, I, I'm just going to disagree with you. And we know how this has worked out for me recently <laughs> with me disagreeing that, uh, you know, you you clearly have been in the right. But like I said, I think the fact that Texas won four out of the last or was it five out of the last six? I don't have their schedule in front of me, but they, they ended they, they lost the, to Oklahoma State on the final weekend. They didn't just lose; they were demolished by Oklahoma State. Right. Um, but I still think they're in. By the way, they they had a strong finish to the season. I I think. So you you're saying there's still a possibility of six teams. Yes, I do. Okay. I think if Texas Tech wins, they're in. I think I think they the tournament wants Texas Tech in, if that makes sense, because they were a national champion runner-up last year. Like I said, they got the win over Louisville this year. I I think if they win this game, they are in the tournament, and the Big Twelve gets six. I think if they lose this game, then that is possibly an elimination for Texas Tech. But this logjam of, of you're talking about the the four teams mm -hmm. at nine and nine, I, I of of those four teams, to me, the only one that's in jeopardy of not making the tournament 
is Texas Tech, and that's if they lose on on Thursday to the Longhorns. Let's talk about Oklahoma in this tournament. Again, Sooners securing the number three seed. I, I think nationally, worst case scenario for, for Oklahoma now is a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. And you, you, if you win against West Virginia, you make a strong showing against Baylor, or you beat Baylor, make it to the championship Saturday. That you know, you, I think you can go as high as a six or maybe even a five. But I, I think worst case scenario for Oklahoma is a ten right now. What, what are your thoughts on that? No, I definitely agree with that. I don't know how they would rise any higher than a ten. I thought early on when you begin to look at the win against Texas Tech, the win against West Virginia on the road there late in the season. Before those, I thought there was that probability if they'd go one and one that week instead mm-hmm. of two and zero, oh, that they're they're more likely a 12 seed in the tournament. But with those two wins, I just don't see how they fall any further than a 10. Right. But I also don't see any potential unless they win the Big 12 tournament. Well, that's what I'm talking about. If you yeah. make a run, I think right. if you get to Saturday, you're, mm-hmm. you're rising. And, I think and you could get I'm a saying. 9. If, I think if they beat West Virginia and again have a strong showing against Baylor, but they lose, I think they could get a 9. It, it's possible. I'm not removing that option from the table. I don't have any say. I don't have a vote. And this, I'm not removing the option from the table, but I just see it as highly unlikely. And here's the reasons why, Matt. Let's talk about the team very specifically for a quick moment. You've mentioned how poorly this team has played away from home. When they've been on the road, they haven't played exceptionally well. That went into the very last weekend of the Big 12 regular season while they were in Fort Worth. But there is one exception to that. Neutral side games. They have played well at neutral site games. I'm just throwing you're, it out there. You're correct. You're correct. It'll be a mixed bag come Thursday. True. Three Oklahoma players get all-conference honors. Um, Kristen Doolittle, first team, all-conference. Brady Manick, second team. Austin Reeves, newcomer um, on the new all-newcomer team, and honorable mention in all-conference. Uh, I'm going to let you close out. We got 30 seconds on basketball Final thoughts, Austin Reeves having to apologize, three conference, all-conference players. <laughs> Anything you want to say? You got you, 20 seconds now. You know, there's there's not a lot to add to what we've already discussed, but I, I really just wanted to go back and reiterate one thing, and it's that I believe Lon Kruger, regardless of what people are saying about this team and their perception of him as a coach, has exceeded expectations. Great guy. He's starting to get back on the recruiting trail hitting some bigger names, some guys who are in the top 150, 250 range. And I expect that the talent pool to increase here in Norman. It's not time to let go of them just yet. Great point on expectations. This team was picked to finish third in the This episode of the Sooner Nation podcast is brought to you by The Athletic, a subscription-based news site for real fans through in-depth coverage from local writers like Jason Kersey on every team, plus national writers that you already know like Jay Glazer, Michael Lombardi. The Athletic is setting a new standard for sports news. There are no ads or pop-ups or clickbait, just sports writing that tells the story behind the story. Each subscriber gets a personalized feed of stories, Live writer Q&As and more. Just download the Athletic app. You pick your favorite teams and Athletic will begin surfacing all the latest news on players and storylines and all the things that matter to you. If you're like me, if you're a fantasy sports junkie, they do a great job on providing coverage on fantasy sports that you won't find anywhere else. Here's the deal. If you're ready to start your subscription, we got you hooked up. If you will just simply go to 
theathletic.com slash overtime. That's theathletic.com slash overtime. You will get 40% off a yearly subscription. You can't beat that. Boomer Sooner. Well, Rich, I'm pretty sure it was you who said a couple weeks ago that Oklahoma football recruiting is going to pick up and pick up in a major way following that dead period, and that's all it has done. Particularly this week, you had Caleb, Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback in the 2021 class on campus for a prolonged visit beginning last Thursday. And then you had the top running back in the 2021 class, the Wheaton kid, on campus on Monday. And then on Tuesday, you've got Bryce Foster on campus, a four-star recruit. 24-7 has him as the number six offensive guard in the 2021 class. Gaining, this, I mean, again, gaining a lot of momentum, I think... I think Oklahoma is clearly out in front on Cameron Way- uh, on Caleb, Caleb Williams. Williams. I, I I think he, you know, and 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 I what I don't know is how to read the comment he made. You know that he got the clarity mm-hmm. that he wanted, um, and so I, I you know I, I don't know. I mean I, I feel like that's good. He, there's a picture of of his mom giving Lincoln Riley a hug that's floating around on Twitter. Apparently, his mom loved the campus visit. His dad was on campus. He had two of his mentors that are on campus. He met the president of the university um, by his own account. It's only, of all the places he's been to, there's only three places, Clemson, Penn State, and now Oklahoma, where he has met the campus president. He talked strategy with Lincoln Riley. Yeah, and Matt, I'm just going to interrupt you really no, quickly because that goes back. We had talked the last time you and I sat down late last week about Williams and Riley and a developing relationship. What was supposed to be a 20-minute conversation seems as if they sat down and became best friends at a table discussing, you're saying, strategy, looking at film, dissecting defenses, talking about schematics, everything under the sun as it pertains to football. It seems as though they sat there and talked about. Great initial or second visit. and now we have this weekend visit that's occurred and it's a three day visit. Here's where I'm going. When you talk about I've received clarity for me, it means one of, it could be two things, but it means one of these two things. It's either, this is a place that I could potentially call home in the future. And that I'm very comfortable committing to, or the clarity is Spencer Rattler's the future. And I don't know where I fit in. Well, two two things on that. Number one, I got the understanding also when he said we talked strategy, talking about him and Lincoln Riley. I think he meant more of not just X's and O's, but here's who we're recruiting. Here's what we want to put together with your class. Mm-hmm. This Wheaton kid, not a coincidence, he's on campus That's the day after. That's a very after. good point. I hadn't even thought about yeah, that. Yeah, and so and now this Wheaton kid, and, go and, ahead. And then Lincoln Riley goes in, and we haven't even talked about the press conference really. But he gives the spring press conference and issues a challenge to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about strategy. What? We're seeing bits and pieces right. of the puzzle through the conversation begin to come together. That's painting a much larger picture than we're envisioning well, at the and moment. It's not just – I mean that that's not a coincidence either with Bryce Foster coming on campus mm-hmm. on Tuesday for the first day of practice. He issues a, a challenge to his offensive line. You've got Bryce Foster here to to wa- actually watch the practice. I think when when Caleb Williams is talking about strategy, I think it's some of the things along those lines as well. But when you when you and again I, I I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this to understand. Mm-hmm. 
I've gone through this with my son. I, we made campus visits. He was recruited. Um, you know, he was a quarterback. He was an all-state football player. You only, here, here's what happened. I love doing that. My wife, she loved watching her son play football. She did not live, love six-hour car rides to go visit campuses and all that stuff. When he narrowed it down and he said, this is where I'm thinking about going, that's when mom got involved. That's when mom wants to go and, and meet the academic advisors. Mom wants to go and walk the campus. Mom wants to see the dorm. That's when my wife got involved with our son's recruiting process. I'm thinking. Are three, you filling the blanks here? Well, I'm just thinking. I'm, <laughs> I, I think. I think OU is clearly in front. I really right. do. Right, and I believe that as well as all. I believe it because the the experts who make these predictions week in and week out believe that, mm-hmm. and it's not just a one or three of five type situation. It's a five of five. Mm-hmm. Believe Oklahoma is the front runner. I'm I'm buying in whatever Oklahoma is selling. I'm buying in, and it's because of the news. You you're saying you it. Can't have a scholarship. Though. You're saying it here. I I have four years of eligibility left <laughs> for for football. Keep maybe <laughs> when I foosball, foosball. My my mind is honestly beginning to run wild with when you mention strategy and go into some of the thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, because here's what I believe: Oklahoma has done exceptionally well. They, when you set foot on campus as a college specifically a football player at the University of Oklahoma, Oklahoma and their staff, not just the coaches, we're talking the staff as a whole. They're saying, how can we further the brand that you've already built? We saw that with this past recruiting cycle when each individual player was given a logo tailored to them specifically. All of a sudden, it looks as though other programs are following suit. We've seen that Texas did that themselves as well with the branding and and the logos. But I'm I'm looking at Oklahoma and they're coming alongside me as a recruit. When you talk about design and strategy, it's it's not about what can you do for us in the four years. Oklahoma's coming along. They're standing beside you instead of attempting to lead you. They're standing beside you and saying, how can we navigate these four years, potentially four years that we've got with you? to further your brand and to better you, not only as a player, but a human being. Right. And, and, you know, actually he talked about that a little bit um, about what he's getting in the Oklahoma. And I think that's, that was a big part of what the meeting with the president was about. You know, you got your athletic life, here's student life. Mm-hmm. Here's what the athletic program is going to do, do for you. Here's what the university of Oklahoma is going to do for you. And so I, again, I, from all accounts and, and Caleb Williams through Sports Illustrated, has a blog that he he talks about this this weekend experience, and it's free to read. You don't have to go to a pay site or anything like that. You can read it for free, and and we actually have linked to that if you go to heartland-sports.com and you read what we wrote about Caleb Williams and his visit. There's a link to that um, that blog that you can just follow and and read along. I I mean again, I don't think he's going to say anything disparaging about Oklahoma. But I think there's some things there that you can look at. Again, mom being involved, dad being involved, mentors being involved, this being a prolonged visit. Again, if I'm Lincoln Riley, I love where I'm sitting right now with this kid. And that helps with a pull when we talk about, you know, these other guys. You know, Wheaton, this kid in three years of high school football has 40 rushing touchdowns, over 3,100 rushing yards, and still has a year to go. I mean, he's going to... 
he's probably going to graduate high school barring injury for between 4,000 and 4,500 rushing yards in high school. Now, he was on campus Monday. I do know he was on campus in Austin on Tuesday. I'm not worried about Austin as much because Texas just signed the number one running back for 2020. And again, we, we talked about how, how long is the line to get on the field. Mm-hmm. When you look at Oklahoma, Trey Sermon's definitely gone after this season. Most likely, Kennedy Brooks is gone after this season. If you come in with a guy like Caleb Williams, you're going to – this kid will reach the field before Caleb Williams does. Right. But, I mean, gosh, the, the line is shorter in Norman. Not that Oklahoma doesn't have depth at running back behind, you know, Sermon and, and Kennedy Brooks, but definitely they don't have the number one running back in a recruiting class behind Kenny Brooks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do like it. He He's also, again, LSU's involved. And, and he, I, I don't, I don't think there's, you, you gotta, you gotta, I think you gotta look at the big picture here in that who else is LSU involved in Caleb Williams. And if they're talking strategy, this could be a thing with Caleb Williams and, and, and uh, Wheaton talking and say, Hey, let's, let's think about going together. And I, and we saw that with Spencer Rattler and all these other receivers that came in with, with him. I, I, there's no reason to think that we wouldn't see that with Caleb Williams and, and some of the other guys in this class. The question is, is Bryce Foster a part of that? Because Bryce Foster, the fact that Oklahoma got him on campus, he's the 68th play ranked player overall in this 2021 class, the number nine ranked player from the state of Texas, and the number four player at his position are you sure 68's correct? I am 100. I'm looking I, at it right I, now. I'm asking because I thought he was a five-star recruit. He's four-star. I'm, I'm okay. looking at 24-7. Now, rivals okay. may have him different. 24-7 okay. has him as the 68th yeah, player say, nationally. I, I know they only give out 32 five-star rankings, which is really to emulate the in, the NFL draft with mm-hmm. the 32 teams. So when you said 68, I was a little bit taken aback. I'm saying, how can, how can you be – Outside of the 32 and have a five-star ranking. Well, the, the point I was making on him, he's from Katy, Texas. And right now, it, it seems like Texas A&M has the heavier lean on him. But Oklahoma and Texas are not out of the picture at all. And, man, if you could get, if you could get like that, for lack of a better word, three-headed monster of, of Bryce Foster and the running back and the quarterback to mm-hmm. come in to be the foundation for your 2021 class, that's – a pretty dang good class that will rival, if not exceed, this class that came in in 2019 with Spencer Rattler and company. Well, and the truth is, let's go ahead and follow the narrative that you've laid out. LSU, Oklahoma, you've mentioned Wheaton, you've mentioned Williams. Foster's in on that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Foster's been on the campus. He's made visits to the University of Oklahoma. This was his third trip right. as well. Sounds a little bit familiar. Doesn't it? It's it's almost as if these guys are talking as recruits, communicating and saying, hey, I just came from here, had the best time of my life. You should come visit. I'm not saying anyone's committed. I'm not saying they will commit. But what, what I am saying is there seems to be some kind of a trend. Mm-hmm. LSU, Oklahoma in on all of these guys, all of these guys at least pegged as a high interest for both of those schools. I did jump over really quickly to rivals because I wanted to see where they had Foster ranked, and they do have him as the number nine overall recruit okay. in the nation. 
247 may have not yet updated theirs to reflect some of the changes. Haven't done those evaluations, but those will be coming soon. We're a ways out before these guys actually, exactly. We're a ways out before these guys will actually sign a letter of intent. Of course, that early signing period coming a little bit later, a little bit more like a lot of it later this year. So we'll just wait. Things will begin to shake out. We may know a little bit more as we head into September and October. Well, one thing I think that would be an indicator, and again, this is connecting the dots. There's no doubt that Lincoln Riley and company would love to have these guys plus a whole bunch more on campus for the spring game. Now, Again, connecting the dots, let's talk about Baker Mayfield and his statue that's going to be unveiled at the spring game. Be the first time that they unveil a statue, not in Heisman Park, but they unveil the statue in the stadium. Why are they doing that? Well, because they want thousands and thousands of people there. They want this crowd to be nuts for that unveiling. Also, so these guys can see... Holy cow, these 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 are rabid fans. These are fans I want to play in front of this stadium. I mean, imagine it's half full. Imagine it's two-thirds full. And then they're going to be like, man, if you feel this thing all the way up, it's just all it's, – uh, it's about the it's about making the impression. It's about making, you know, make, making that, that lasting impression. Because when you bring a kid in for a recruiting weekend, you know, you, you bring him in and, and you, you run him out on the field. You got the jumbotron going. You pipe in the stadium noise, but you can never really duplicate authentic, real stadium noise. That's why players want to come to a game. And and these kids, Caleb Williams is going to be the longest one away because, you know, it's coming from Washington, D.C. But if they can get them back on campus for that spring game, pretty, pretty good opportunity to make an impression. And let's not also not forget my final thought on this uh, before we talk about Sam Ellinger and spring ball in general. My final thought is, uh, there's still some unaccounted eyeball emojis out there that we have not. There, seen there who are. They are. There are, and I, I don't believe that's any of the guys that we've mentioned. I agree. I agree. I believe there's one name that's lingering. Well, there's out two there. out there though. If I if two I, sets of I eyes or two names. Yeah, yeah, there's two sets. Okay, of Okay, well, eyeball I believe emojis. there's one name that's almost. I, I would put it in the high 90s in terms of a percentage as to if that player commits or not and it's the kid who decommitted from From alabama Alabama. after making a visit to oklahoma that hasn't happened will it happen again it's all speculation at this point because we (laughs) sitting here in a in a room in a house we we don't know we don't have claimed i mean we've not claimed any kind of connection to these players to jump in and ask these questions either and if we did they likely wouldn't reveal it anyway so i say that a blanket statement, we don't know, speculation, but that's my firm belief. Like I said, I'm not putting that in the high 90s, the percentage-wise. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
Well, spring football is officially underway in Norman. That means the quarterback battle between Tanner Mordecai and Spencer Rattler is officially underway. The quarterback battle, I'm using air quotes, because I've said it, Richard has said it, I don't believe it's a real quarterback battle. I believe it's a, hey, Spencer, we don't give anything away here, so go out there and prove to us that you're the guy that we think you are, and then you'll be starting the season as our quarterback. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't know that we can talk any more than what we've already talked about this, but... Guys that you won't see participating in the spring are Trey Sermon, Jalen Redmond, John Michael Terry. And that's okay, particularly with, with Redmond and Sermon. I want those guys, and John Michael Terry as well, but I figure I, I, I count Jalen Redmond to be a more of a key cog in this will than John Michael Terry. And certainly Trey Sermon is a key part of this offensive game plan um, that Lincoln Riley throws out there on the field. So for me, I would rather see those guys in the fall than I would in April. That's just me personally. Rich, Oklahoma football, we've talked about quarterbacks. I, I, I don't know what angle we can take with this that we haven't already <laughs> taken, but it is spring ball. So give me two players, either side of the ball. By the way, did, did you see that Robert Barnes is no longer safety? He's right, linebacker. Moving, moving to linebacker. Yeah. And, and, so and that goes for two players. Right. Yeah. Who was the other one? Your mom. Wow. <laughs> um. Anyway, it'll, it'll come to me in just a second. Uh, but give me give me two players that you're excited to see. All right. So I, I'm going to throw out the first one, which I don't really think should come as any kind of a surprise. And it's because of the evolution of the position. Or should I say the resurgence? Jamal Morris, by the way. Jamal Morris is the That's other not player. my mom. Oh, it's not? No. The resurgence of the position, specifically the tight end position is what I'm talking about. We knew what Oklahoma had on campus for years and years. And all of a sudden, I I felt like that was removed. And we were forced to play. We weren't, but the coaches were forced to play some guys who may not be a natural fit at the tight end position in that tight end role. So needless to say, Stogner is still on campus. Very young guy has now gotten a season under his belt is probably the most experienced of that receiving class that came in in 2019 now because of the unfortunate situation that took place there. But when I'm looking for a guy who I think could have possibly one of the biggest years of any of the players on the offensive side of the ball, I'm looking at Stogner. What's the progression there for him? What do we see now that he's been in the weight or strength training program for basically an entire year? I'm, like I said, excited to see what's capable from that position and what Oklahoma does with a guy who's a natural fit, who will be or should be available for the entirety of the season. And then I'm just going to flip it to the, the other side of the ball. And I know there's a lot that we can look at when it comes to the defense, but I'm going to go with a guy who's more than capable, a guy who earned the newcomer of the year in the Big 12 on the defensive side of the ball, and that's LaRon Stokes. I think he could potentially have the biggest impact of any player because, one, he's experienced. He will be a senior this upcoming season. He came the JUCO route, was the number three JUCO kid in the nation ends up transferring to the University of Oklahoma and by all means has an excellent first season at the Division I level or the FBS level, however you'd like to to label that. I know it's not the most exciting player to throw out there. I know it's not the 
position with the most questions because we're obviously going to look at defensive tackle. We're obviously going to look at the linebacker position. And then we're going to look at, at what's happening with defensive backs, specifically cornerbacks, as some of these safeties are now being moved to that linebacker position. We're also going to be concerned with depth. As I said, Leron Stokes is the guy, a proven talent who can be that disruptor up front, which will ease things for <laughs> the, the secondary in the back. Fingers crossed. Well, and I don't let, let's talk about depth, because I, I think the issue of depth for me is at the corner position, not at safety. You've got right. Right. That's what I'm, I'm that, talking that's about. Why, yeah, that's why you got Robert Barnes moving, because look, you, they're, they're going in to the um, to the Peach Bowl. At safety, of course, you had DT Yell that was out with the injury. But, uh, look, you've got um, Woody Washington, who made an appearance as a true freshman, will be a redshirt freshman this season. He's a guy that, that Lincoln Riley actually said at, they were they were pleased. They were impressed with, with what they got out of him. Justin Broyles, redshirt sophomore, had a terrible peach bowl. But Pat Fields is, is back there. You've got Bookie at the nickel. You got Jeremiah Cradell. I mean, you you got six bodies easy, in my opinion, at the safety nickelback positions. But again, you got to show me, and this is what I'm I'm looking at. How much deeper are you than Jaden Davis and and Trey Brown at the corner position? And you're getting guys like Trey Norwood back and so forth. But uh, that to me, that's the position that bothers me. That's the mm-hmm. position. That I want to see. Absolutely, especially with the evolution of the quarterbacks. Matt, you hadn't mentioned, and I thought you hit the nail on the head, whether I agreed with it at the beginning of the season or whether you won me over at the beginning of the season is a completely different story. But we were seeing experienced running backs and inexperienced quarterbacks basically across the board for the first time Mm -hmm. in the Big 12. It helped some of these safeties. It helped some of these cornerbacks mature in an on-the-field situation, real-life game speed, because you can't replicate that in a practice. Needless to say, all of a sudden, we've got experienced quarterbacks, not at the University of Oklahoma, but we've got experienced quarterbacks in the Big 12 who are going to attempt, specifically, I would think, when it comes to Oklahoma, to attack the cornerbacks early and often. It is a big concern. It is a point of interest. We are going to come back to those experienced quarterbacks here in just a minute, but I want to mention one other player, um, Jeremiah Hall. I believe this guy is a guy that is going to have a big season in 2020. Only a redshirt sophomore last year really got to see some things that he was doing and and the, the mismatches that he creates. The guy's going to be a redshirt junior. Potentially, he has two years left. And when you mention Austin Stogner, I think if they can, if 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 Stogner comes along the way you're hoping and anticipating he will, this combination because because I think Stogner and Hall athletically they're both big body guys. Stogner is six six. I mean that's a, that's a big body six six two forty plus. That's a big body. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a Mark Andrews. How do you how do you right? I mean he's too big too physical. For a corner, he's too fast for a nickel or a safety. And then you know, you run him down the seam, and then you do something with Jeremiah Hall behind him. That is going to be fun. And so I, I want to watch really what they do with Jeremiah Hall. And 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 I don't. I'm not. I'm not a guy who holds out a lot of hope that I'm going to see a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. in the spring game. 
I, I mean, it just doesn't make sense to show a bunch of stuff in the spring game. But what I'm looking at is what kind of routes is Jeremiah Hall running? Are they short routes, long routes? Is he up the seam? Is he in the flat? What's he doing? Right, or that, even be, even just how they line the, that pair up. Well, see, and that, that I don't know that we'll see a lot. Okay. Because, again, okay. because I don't, I don't think you show a lot. But, again, I'm, right. I'm looking, what are they preparing him for? Mm-hmm. And you can you can tell by you can tell by the way the type of routes they give a guy. For example, you give him a routes that go into the flat. You know the you know that's that means they're they're thinking about putting him out of the backfield. You give him routes to go up the seam that he could be on the backfield. He could be lined up as a tight end. You give him a drag route across the middle. That means he could go anywhere, literally anywhere on the field. Because a drag route across the middle is usually run from the slot or from the far outside. That's what I want to see. Where, where are you thinking about using a guy like Jeremiah Hall? And that's what I'm going to be looking for in the spring game. But let, let's step aside. I mean, because as, as information comes out of spring practice, we're going to jump on that and feed it through Heartland Sports and through this podcast as much as we can. But let's step out of that for just a second because you talked about these experienced quarterbacks. And last week we broke down, kind of give you our rendition of 24-7 sports and their ranking of the, of the 10 Big 12 quarterbacks. And if I remember right, you and I were in agreement that we would take Brock Purdy or Charlie Brewer ahead of Sam Ellinger. Or was that just me? That was a consensus between the two of us. I know that's not a large population of people hey, to that's, pull, that's, but the two of us – That's the Sooner Nation podcast consensus. We, we came to an agreement, and we had specifically cited some of the minor mistakes or mental lapses that we've seen out of Sam Ellinger late in games with the game potentially on the line. So, yeah, I, I my recollection is that that is what we had agreed to. Well, and here's what I here's where I'm getting at because the University of Texas they they send out publications. It was on Twitter. It went to media guys that Sam Ellinger is the best returning player in the Big Twelve. And they're not the only ones who have made that statement. Two four seven Sports is on well, board with it as well. But we talked about we talked about. We talked about 24-7. I'm not talking about quarterbacks, man. I'm talking about players in general. Right. But I'm saying is if if you and I are thinking, I would take Brock Purdy. I would take Charlie Brewer. Mm-hmm. How in the world could we think Sam Ellinger is the best returning player in the Big 12? Particularly, here's, here's the points I'm making. Do you know who the second team all-conference quarterback was? Second team all-conference? Second team. Charlie Brewer? No, it was I don't Brock know. Purdy. Oh, so you have Jalen Hurts, all, mm. all Big 12. Now, granted, Sam Ellinger was preseason all Big 12 first team. But one, and the one that really matters, and he'll be preseason all, for, all Big 12 first team this right. year as well. But the one that matters is the one that comes out in December, which did not have Sam Ellinger's name on it. So you got Jalen Hurts, first team all conference. He's gone, NFL. Mm-hmm. You, you've got Brock Purdy, second team all conference. I mean... I, you tell me how are you how are you making this claim? Would you take? I'm I'm just saying. All right, so let <laughs> let's go through this. Um, I don't know. I just don't is, know. Who is in your opinion? This one's super easy for me. Is it super easy? Isn't it? Okay. Who, who is the best returning player in in the Big Twelve? Mm-hmm. Chuba Hubbard. Man, see, I was really hoping that we would have a disagreement. Oh yeah. I I no doubt in my mind. Here's a guy who I thought. 
was very deserving of an invite to New York City for the Heisman ceremony. Just sitting outside of the the votes in terms of who's getting invited and who isn't was Chuba Hubbard. He led the nation, I believe, in in rushing yards, but I don't know that he led the nation in touchdowns. Needless to say, the offensive production that he has accounted for in Stillwater was completely off of the charts. And when I'm looking at a guy that means the most to his team, I may say it's Sam Ellinger. They don't have a running back. They're hoping to get one. So he really has to do all of the work. Not only is he being incorporated into the designed runs, but he's also being counted on to extend plays, to throw the ball downfield, and to throw it into tight windows and make things happen. Now, he had over... 3,300 yards and and 32 touchdowns, but he also had 10 interceptions. Does he mean a lot to the University of Texas? Does he mean a lot to that football program? Absolutely, but there's no better player, no better returning player in the Big 12, in my opinion, than Chuba Hubbard. Yes. And I think the NFL draft next year will will back up these statements we're making today. Look, I'm I'm not going to argue, because I I really thought you would come up with somebody else, truthfully, but... Mm. (laughs) Here's the here's what I'm getting at. This this is not our weekly Sam Ellinger bashing segment of the podcast, which I feel like it could be labeled that way, but it's 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 just being real. Everything you said about Sam Ellinger, I, I, like he's a he's a decent player, okay. And you're right, he is the most valuable player on that team. But being the most valuable player on that team does not make you the most valuable or the best player in the conference. But that's the way Texas thinks. And for some reason, the way Texas thinks sometimes is the way some of the media, ESPN looking at you, and the Big 12 think. But I'm 100%. Brock Purdy, again, second team all Big 12. Sam Ellinger was not on that list. So Chuba Hubbard, 100% agree. If there is one player, there, there is, in my opinion, and, man, our, our, our listeners are Oklahoma fans, and we are Oklahoma fans, but they, they might come off the rails with this conversation <laughs> about Chuba Hubbard, but – if there is one player that would challenge, would rival Chuba Hubbard, do you know who it would be? I don't. Is he teammate? He's a teammate of Chuba Hubbard. Is he a safety? No, he's a receiver. Tylen Wallace. Tylen Wallace. Yeah, I'd forgotten about him because of the injury. Yeah, right. And so mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking there, and and how do you like? There, there's some linemen. There are, I mean, there across the board. I just, it's a bold statement to make, but then again, it's Texas, right? This is where I'm going to close this out for us, Matt, on this conversation, because I get why publications, I get why websites run with a title that includes the name of a player from Texas. It's because the Longhorns have a huge following. They have a large footprint, and that's outside of the state of Texas as well. But here's what else it does, is when you put a Texas player's name in a headline, all of a sudden, what happens? Now you've got the Oklahoma fan base riled up, and you're getting clicks, I would assume, from Texas A&M fans as well, since they consider themselves rivals, even though they're not in the same conference anymore. And the third thing, large footprint. You get other fan bases riled up. But the third thing you made the motion for is money. Texas has a large cash flow, and they do control the conversation more often than not because of that. I agree wholeheartedly. (laughs) 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let me ask you a question. Are you familiar with the Sports Illustrated curse? Quasi? familiar you, yeah you, you make you make you cover, make the cover right and it's it's injury mm-hmm. or yeah, just okay, bad okay. season not necessarily injury it could be a bad season okay. or whatever and then there's the the madden jinx you know what i'm talking about nope. same same thing if you're on the cover of madden the football game you know bad season injury whatever i do think something that is developing that we're going to have to keep an eye on would be the sooner nation podcast jinx curse whatever Here, here's where i'm getting at Ready? Shaka Smart. And maybe it's just me. Shaka Smart, dead in the water, fired, done at Texas. Ends the season on a high note. Looks like he should. I mean, I think he deserves to be brought back in Austin, Texas. Oklahoma, dead in the water, done. Number three seed in the Big 12 tournament. <laughs> I mean, there, there are things that we're saying over the last several weeks of the Student Nation podcast and again, maybe it's just me, but there's this this last one that I'm getting at involves both of us, Oklahoma City Thunder. I have been saying all along, you absolutely want to play the Thunder in the first round of the playoffs. This is a team that you're not afraid of. If you're a top four seed, you are not afraid of this team. I've been saying that all along. You took the other side of that. And then Oklahoma City went on a run where they lost to Milwaukee, failed to score 100 points in that game, lost to the L.A. Clippers, failed to score 100 points in that game. And we're like, last week, I'm like, dude, you still feel like this is a team you don't want to play in the first round of the playoffs? And you changed your mind. You agreed with me. Mm-hmm. Now, Oklahoma City has turned this thing around. Now, they played play, played some teams like Chicago, played some teams like New York to kind of go on the streak. But on Sunday... They had a massive win at Boston playing without SGA, and and they won that game, last-minute win, and it sets up this huge match on Thursday night, or is it Wednesday night? Sets up a huge match this week. Tomorrow. Yeah, so it'll be Wednesday. We're recording this on Tuesday. Sets up a huge match against Utah. Of which, if they win, dude, they are a number, a top four seed. They're number four. If they win that game at Utah. So here's my thoughts. Now, my question is this. Are we a jinx? And and do you think this is a late push that this is the real deal with Oklahoma City? I'm, I'm giving you permission to change back to your previous stance. Or do you want to stay where you are? I'll stay where I'm at. I'm I'm not a superstitious person. So when you begin to speak of jinxes, I, I believe that the cards fall where the cards fall because of preparation that was put in. Of course, there are some unaccounted for instances, some shifts in personnel, some shots that maybe go in that you shouldn't have taken in the first place. There there are a handful of things that do decide the outcome of a game. 
But here we are. You've mentioned they're playing some of the lower-tier teams who are very much in the hunt for lottery picks at this point in time. And then you get one one win over Boston? Let's see how they do against Utah before I, I really weigh in on it. Well, here's the thing. They beat Utah. They've got the, the games that – this is uh, at home, by the way, against Utah. And then you're at home against Minnesota. Then you go on a three-game trip, Washington, Memphis, Atlanta. They, they could coast if they beat Utah. And, and I mean, not just coast, but they, they could coast and grab more – solidly a hold of that number four seed. Now you do have, you know, closing out the season, you do have Denver. You do have the you Clippers. You got Denver twice. Right. You have the Clippers. Back-to-back nights in LA. And so, and you, I say, and you got the Lakers. So it's not like it's all, you know, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Mm-hmm. You've got Dallas in there, but there, and, and Miami's not going to be a cakewalk easy, but either, but I think if, if you can beat Miami, you can on the road. You, I mean, if you can beat Boston on the road, you should be able to contend against Miami on the road. But what I'm saying is, if you look at how this they, they close out, what do you see? You you see Golden State, you see Memphis, you see Atlanta, you see Memphis more than once, by the way. You see Brooklyn. I mean, you you this is a <laughs> this is a schedule that is not overly complicated. I, I look, I, I I'm I'm not changing my stance, but what I am saying is I do feel there is a legitimate possibility that the Thunder could roll into the postseason with the number four seed. It, it's possible. And I really just want to highlight really quickly here, I was a huge Chris Paul fan um, back in his college days. Now, I watched Wake Forest because of Chris Paul. Before he ever entered the NBA, I'm not a huge NBA fan. I prefer the collegiate level knowing that these guys can have that immediate impact anywhere that they land at any university that's what's intriguing to me instead of assembling a team based upon how much money and the pool that an individual player like lebron has in swaying people to come to a specific location needless to say i think we're seeing the reason why oklahoma has been so successful i mentioned that they're kind of a hodgepodge of players, but a lot of it I think we can attribute to Chris Paul playing potentially one of the best seasons of his career from an individual standpoint. And, and by all accounts, Chris Paul I think would like to stay in Oklahoma City. Here's my question about the Thunder. This and you know, <laughs> again, I, I had a conversation with 50% of the Thunder guys today. But here's my question about the Thunder. Why is Billy Donovan still without a contract? I mean, has he not I mean, this team's at 40 wins, dude. 40 wins. Mm-hmm. Why is he still without a contract? Because the, the thought was, with Russell Westbrook, guy can't coach. Can't coach his way out of a paper bag. You remove Russell Westbrook, you remove Paul George, and he's equaling what they did without those two superstars. I mean, this this season is right on par with last season, and it wasn't supposed to be this way. Remember, in, in July, when those guys left, Paul George goes to the Clippers, Russell Westbrook goes to the to the Rockets, suddenly this is a lottery year. It's a rebuild. We're starting the rebuild. We're going right. to get the lottery pick. Number four. Oh, you realize what we're talking about? Number four. It's the same thing with Oklahoma basketball. Pick number eight in the Big 12. And they're the number three seed. And – 
there is a certain, and you know, fan is short for fanatic. Okay. I get that. There's a certain portion of the Oklahoma city of the the Oklahoma Sooners basketball fan base. You hinted at it. That is displeased with Lon Kruger. They remain that way. Displeased with Lon Kruger. I saw tweets the other day talking about Oklahoma's comeback win against TCU. Should it, I mean, instead of saying what a great come from behind win that was, should have never been down by that many points against TCU. <laughs> they, guys, they're number three. They're the third seed in the Big 12. They're picked to finish eighth. Oklahoma City Thunder, supposed to be a lottery team. They're fighting for the number four seed. Home court advantage for the first round of the playoffs. Why does Billy Donovan not have a contract? And they have the potential to where they were predicted win total from Las Vegas. If you took the over, congratulations. Yeah, because you hit that at the break, at the all-star break. Yep. Congratulations. And all of a sudden they're at, you've said the 40 win mark. They, They can continue to increase that. We could see that expand to double digits over what the prediction was. That's baff- that that's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So look, good. I get painted as an Oklahoma City hater. I'm not. I'm from Oklahoma City. I love the city that I'm from. I'm just not a big fan of the team, and I talk differently than people who are fan. I, I had a I had lunch today with a guy um, who is a a a season ticket holder, huge fan of the team, and he's all about Chris Paul now. And and the Thunder guys, the Thunder guys couldn't stand Chris Paul. <laughs> like Zach and Craig, if you're listening, you will attest to this. Couldn't stand Chris Paul. They love him, and this city has embraced him. I, I just, look, it, it's a good thing. It's, it it can't be anything but good. But look, Billy Billy Donovan. Here's the thing. I, I um talking to Craig from the Thunder guys. He's like, well, what does it matter if he doesn't have a contract? Why, why worry about that now? The reason why you worry about that now is because there's a ton of teams that are going to be looking for head Knocking coaches. Knocking on the door, that's right. And they're watching what Billy Donovan is doing right now, and they're thinking, okay, this guy can coach. Let's throw some money at him. Mm-hmm. Lock him up, Oklahoma City. That's all I'm saying. Get him signed because if he leaves, they only have themselves to blame on this. That's that's it for my talk on the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, this has been the Sooner Nation podcast. We're thankful that you listen. Uh, we'd like to invite you to participate. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland on Twitter. Uh, give us your thoughts, comments, suggestions on the podcast. You can drop a comment, heartland-sports.com. You can drop a comment uh, on our podcast post. We'd love to hear from you again, where you agree, where you disagree, any questions or comments you have. Have a great week, everybody. Boomer Sooner. Sooner.